Well, it's great to be here with you today. I uh, hope you had a great week. And uh, if you don't know me, my name's Austin and I am the campus pastor at our Somerset campus. And I'm excited to bring you part three of the Psalm series. But before we do that, I'm gonna do one of the most campus pastor things that a campus pastor can do. I'm aware of it, uh, but I'm gonna brag on the folks over at our Somerset campus. Um, we had an event yesterday uh, where we went to the Sky Hope Rehab uh, Facility for Women in Somerset and prepared Thanksgiving meals for them and their families got to come and uh, enjoy them with them. I wanna show you guys some pictures from that. This is Cindy. Uh, Cindy organized the whole thing. Uh, but so we, we were able to feed 63 women uh, who are in this, this rehab facility, some of which said this is the first time that they were able to have a holiday meal with their children while they were sober. Uh, and so this was just such an incredible opportunity. We have, yeah. These are all of our volunteers making it happen. Um, and, and I'm not telling you this to brag on me because I literally didn't do much other than show up and do what they told me to do. Uh, they organized it, uh, they made it happen. And uh, it was such an incredible day. And uh, I know that the effects of that are gonna ripple into eternity. And so I just wanted to brag on them, uh, tell them thank you, Somerset Campus. I love you guys. Uh, I miss you this morning, uh, but I'm so proud to be your pastor uh, and the fact that you are serving people. Uh, and it's not just lip service, but that you're actually getting out there and doing the hard work. So love you guys. Thank you. Wanted to honor you for that this morning. Um, and so with all that said, uh, today uh, we're going to continue the Psalm series and Pastor Trevor's kicked off each week with uh, some music. You know, we've been listening to some music at the beginning of the services and, and uh, the first week he, he did the Halloween music. And, and last week he talked about uh, country music and how country music music's the greatest storytelling music. And, and uh, I got to confess that I, I enjoy country music myself. Uh, I really like country music. I heard though that somebody over here said that country music was almost as bad as rap. I don't know who said that, but we need to have words uh, after this is over. Uh, but full disclosure, I like all kinds of music. Uh, I'm very eclectic that way. Um, rap is probably my least favorite genre of music, but you gotta be selective with your rap, okay? There's some good stuff. All right, you gotta pick it out. Uh, but I'm not sure where Trevor's planning on going with this whole music thing, but I figured since I, I, I was up here today and I had the opportunity and he hasn't gone there yet, I would go ahead and just talk about the greatest decade of music ever. This is not debatable. This is not disputed. The greatest decade of music ever was the 80s. Can I get an amen? Come on. Yep. I knew these were my people. Summer said, I know you're with me too. The 80s. I mean, all you got to do is drop, drop the first beat. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. I mean, you're, I didn't even, I'm not even doing that. It just happened. MJ, the king of pop, 80s for sure. The king of pop, man. Mm. It just gets you in the mood. It gets you feeling right. Not to mention, not just MJ, but how about a little bit of Toto? Rosanna? Come on. Can I get an amen from Rosanna? Whew. Now this next one, it's a bit of a sleeper. This guy gets a little bit of a bad rap. He kind of gets made fun of and kind of became a meme. But I'm telling y'all, listen, this is a bad dude. You don't want to mess with this fella, all right? Now I, I want you to listen 
to the depth of lyric. I want you to listen to the, the purity and the passion in this vocal. Hit it, guys. Keep it going, keep it going. Golly. If you don't like that, something's wrong with you. The only thing better than that is watching him perform it live because back then they didn't have wireless mics. So he's got like all the wires of the mic and he's like got the mic wires in his hand and the mic here. He's like, he's so in it, man. I love it. I love it so much. Not to mention, you know, back in, the, in grade school, I used to, after a three week relationship and the girl dumped me, I'd be in the shower. How am I supposed to leave? Right? You did that too. Come on, don't look at me like that. Think you're better than me? <laughs> uh, be honest with yourself. The Lord knows. Now these last two, these are a special category of the 80s for me because these are songs that we all have these types of songs. These are songs that they get me focused. These songs get me zoned in. When these songs play, I, I, I'm ready to go. And the, the first one here comes from one of the greatest of all time. I was fortunate enough to see him in concert uh, a couple years ago. I, I told Jesse like five or six years ago, cause this guy had stopped touring. And I said, if he ever tours again in the US, honey, I don't care the cost, I gotta be there. And so we dug into the savings account and I got tickets. Hit it, guys. that happens. doesn't matter where I'm at, but that song gets me fired up. It gets me ready. But this last one, it's probably the one that, that, that gets me the most focused. It gets me the most fired up. It gets me the most in the space that I need to be in to compete, to perform, to do whatever it is that I need to do because it has so much story attached to it. Here it is. Just the intro is all I even need. Like I'm already ready. You're feeling it, aren't you? You're feeling it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously that one's tied to some of the greatest movies of all time, the Rocky franchise. The Eye of the Tiger, Rocky. Rocky got civilized and he, he made all this money and, and he, he lost the edge, he lost the eye of the tiger and then he got beat by Mr. T, Clubber Lang, Clubber Lang, I pity the fool, you know? <sighs> Man, that's all it takes, a little bit of eye of the tiger. I mean, if you, if you wanna run out, when I, I was like the odd kid in school because all these guys wanted to run out to rap music and I was like, we're running out to eye of the tiger. Uh, that was my run out music uh, in basketball, but 
But anyway, that one gets me completely fired up. And maybe you're sitting here like, why in the world are we talking about these songs, playing these songs, wasting time at the beginning of this uh, message, my valuable time on Sunday morning. Uh, the, the point is, the, the reason we're talking about music, the reason we're talking about songs each week is because Psalms are songs. Psalms are songs. The book of Psalms is, is, is a book full of songs that, that people before us have written. And in those songs are the stories of our lives. In those Psalms are the stories of our lives. Like we can look at, at these Psalms and I think it's one of the most amazing uh, and incredible things about it is that these things happened so long ago and these people are writing about, about their life, but, but struggles are all common to, to all of us. And so we can look into these songs and we can, we can identify with what's going on uh, in these people's lives and the struggles and the issues that they're dealing with, the, the feelings that they're having. Uh, there's no struggle that's, that's, uh, that's uncommon. And so we all have that in common and we can connect with King David like we have the last couple of weeks through these songs and, and understand some things he was feeling and learn from him. Um, but this week, I wanna talk about a Psalm written by somebody else. And this is one of my favorite Psalms. It's one that, that I've always connected with for some reason. And uh, it's just one that's always spoken to me. This was written by a guy named Asaph. And Asaph was a leader directly under David. David appointed Asaph to be a leader under him. Uh, he was credited with writing Psalm 50 and Psalm 73 through Psalm 78. And so today we're gonna look at Psalm 73 uh, and look at what Asaph has to tell us about it and see if we can pull some, some wisdom and some insight uh, and some connection uh, with Asaph out of what he has to tell us today. So we'll jump in at the beginning here, verse one. Asaph says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And so, so he establishes this basic truth at the beginning here. He says, listen, God is good to his children. That's a, that's a basic truth. God is good. But here's where things go wrong. But as for me, he says, something's, something's different here. Something's changed. This is true, but as for me, I was having trouble with this. My feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. And so Asaph's telling us here that there's some basic truth that, that we know about God. There's a basic truth that I know about God, that, that God loves his children, that God's good to his children. But, but I'm about to tell you about something that happened to me, he says. Uh, something where, where I almost slipped because I, I have this foundation, this, this basic truth, and I, I'm grounded in it. But something happened that caused me to almost slip off of that foundation. Something happened that, that caused me to lose my grip, and my grip almost failed. I went through something, a, a stressor came into my life. It caused me to doubt, it caused me to struggle, it caused me to have a mental challenge and a spiritual challenge and a battle, if you will that I had to fight. And already we can connect with that, right? We can already connect with Asaph here. You know, we all have issues, we all have challenges, we all have struggles. There's all, there's, for all of us, there are times in our lives when, when we just feel like we're, we're up against it and we're going through, through troubles and, and we begin to, to slip a little bit. And that's what Asaph is setting us up for here. This story of, of how he, he began to, to question some basic truth, some, some foundational things. He's like, I had settled into this truth. And, and in sports, they talk about keeping an athletic base. 
And that's your foundation. If you're, if you're playing defense on somebody, you want your feet at least shoulder width apart, maybe a little wider. With your po toes pointed out just a little bit, you want your hips low. Because you'll want to be able to get knocked over. You want to be able to move, right? You want to stay close to your foundation. You don't want to get tripped up. You don't want to slip. You don't want to slide. So Asaph is about to tell us about a time in his life when he began to raise up a little bit. He began to look. He got his feet a little too close together. He began to slip. He began to lose his grip on reality. And here's what Asaph tells us. He said, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So Asaph's saying, listen, I've been trying to live my life good. I've been trying to follow God. But then I looked out and I looked at these people who were just living life however they wanted to. They're arrogant, they're wicked. And it seemed to me like they were prospering. And I began to envy that. I began to desire that. They have no struggles. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are free, go ahead to the next one, from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Asaph's looking at this group of people and, and he's, he's obviously not seeing things clearly because he's looking at them almost like they're, they're superhuman. They're not even plagued by common human burdens. Like almost they're, they're, they're superhero. They should be like the, the characters in a DC comic movie or something. Everything's going great for them. They're prospering. That's the picture I see of reality. They say... How could God know? Does the most high know anything? He's saying they mock God. They mock God. They think they know more than him. And then he says, this is what the wicked are like. They're always, hear the hyperbole, always free of care. They're carefree. They don't have any problems like I do. They go on amassing wealth. It's like they just, everything they touch turns to gold. It seems to be easy for them. And then he had come to this conclusion in his own heart. Surely in vain, I've kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. In other words, Asaph's telling us, I came to a place in my life where I thought, I've done all this. I've tried to be good. I've tried to follow God. I thought that was the right way, but I think I was wrong. I think I was wrong because, because when I look at the people who aren't even trying, the people who I would consider not good, they're, they're, they're not moral, they're not trying to follow the law or the rules or the way that God asks us to live and behave. There's, there's a truth that God has told us and, and, and they don't, subscribe to that truth. And it appears to me that they're better off than me. I think it's been in vain. I think all of this has been a waste of my time and my life. 
Maybe I've just been brainwashed. Have I wasted my life with this? Can you hear the pitiful, poor, pity party Asaph's having for himself? It gets worse because we, we usually do. He says, all day long I've been afflicted. All day long, how dramatic, Asaph. And every morning brings new punishments. Every morning, waking up, it's just like a punishment. Waking up, I have to live again, I have to go through this place again. I have to go to my job, I have to deal with him, I have to deal with her. I'm just gonna go there, I'm gonna do the same thing, I'm gonna come home, we're gonna have our routine, we're gonna go to bed, we're gonna wake up, we're gonna do it again. It's all in vain. And Asaph's having this major pity party. And if we're honest with ourselves and, and with each other and with God, we've probably been there at times. We've seen the picture differently than God has painted it. We've got to feeling sorry for ourselves. We've had a pity party of our own. We saw what we thought was reality, but it wasn't. And Asaph's there, he's telling us, he's, he's telling us the story of, of when he was there in his life. And he's like, listen, all that happens to me, gosh, let me tell you everything that I'm going through. Listen, I can't catch a break. I can't catch a break. But then he tells us this, he says, if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. Remember, he's, he's telling us this story in retrospect. He's looking back on his life about this time when he struggled. And so what he's saying here is, is listen, I was feeling these things. I was, I was thinking these things. I was, I was struggling. I was having a hard time emotionally and spiritually and mentally. And if I had, if I had taught this, if I had told the people that were under my leadership this as if it were true, the realities that I were seeing, that would have been bad. That would have been dishonoring to your children, Lord. And so we learned something from Asaph here. We learned that we should never trust a stressed mind to interpret reality. Never trust a stressed mind to interpret reality. Now, maybe that's, that's all you needed to hear today. You know, that, 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 that could be good enough. That when we're stressed, that, that, that when our emotions are high, when our heartbeat's getting up and our blood pressure's rising and, and, and we're stressed, we're not able to see reality clearly. And so if that's for you today, I want you to grab onto that statement and remember it. And when you find yourself in those moments and, and listen, listen, I find myself in a moment like this the pa this past week. I was super stressed about something. Uh, it, it, it elevated my blood pressure quickly. I got angry. I got frustrated. I started getting emotional, started having a pity party. Last Wednesday night. Finally, you know, everything's going on. You got, I got my wife at home. I got the girls. I'm not really able to focus on that. Finally, we get the girls to bed. I go downstairs, take some time, calm down, think. 
We all struggle with this. We all find ourselves in those places, but know that you should never trust a stressed mind to interpret reality. It's okay to take a step back. It's okay to say, honey, I'm really stressed right now. I'm really tired right now. I'm really angry right now. Probably not the best time for me to speak on this. And just take a step back. Let yourself calm down. And then reapproach it in the future. Asaph goes on, he says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Can I get an amen? <laughs> it troubled me deeply. Can you feel what he's feeling here? Because I sure can. It's like, okay, God, you've said some things that are true and, and I believe those, but then when I, when I look at the world and I look at people, it seems like the picture you've painted of reality is not what I see and it doesn't line up and why this and, and Lord, why would you allow that? And, and how come I didn't and, and, and why did she? And we have all these questions and, and we're trying to figure it out. And before you know it, it's just like, <laughs> whew, this uh, troubles me deeply, <laughs> as Asaph said. It's just overwhelming. It just makes your head hurt. And it's just like, oh, eventually you just can't even, you can't even deal with it. You can't even think. Now, Asaph's struggle here was comparison. He was comparing himself with what he saw out there in other people and in other people's lives. And the question is, what is it that is your struggle? Maybe it is comparison. Maybe you're looking at what's going on in other people's lives. Maybe you're looking at unrealistic sources of what's going on in people's lives like social media. Maybe you're looking in from the outside and it, it looks one way, but if you got in and you saw how the sausage was made, it's not so pretty, right? What is it that you are struggling with? What is it that you don't understand? What is it that, that's got you questioning some of those basic truths, truths that God has proclaimed? What is it that causes you to, to slip a little bit, that causes you to, to lose your grip and to lose your footing or to doubt God's goodness, to doubt God's truth? What is that for you? What is it that you struggle with? Maybe it's financially. Maybe you know that, that financially God has, has taught principles about how you should manage your money and you should be a generous person and and you shouldn't be enslaved to any debtors, but it really looks like the people over there who are just in debt up to their eyeballs and they have all the SUVs and the boats and the houses and the kids have everything. It sure looks like they're having an awful lot of fun. It sure looks like they're happier than me. And now you're doubting, beginning to slip. Maybe it's the fidelity in your relationship I know God said I should be faithful to my spouse, but you know, I've got some buddies or I've got some girlfriends and, and they, they dabble and they, they step out on their spouse every now and then. And it, it seems like, you know, I, I know this person and, and they, they're just not, they don't even have a monogamous relationship. They just go and they just are with whoever. And it sure seems like they're having an awful lot of fun. Much more fun than me. That looks like fun. This is monotonous. Same thing 
over and over. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the struggle is for you. But I know what the solution is. Because Asaph continues his story. He says, listen, I, I, I was seeing the wrong picture. I was seeing things unclearly. I was seeing reality from a distorted perspective until, until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Those people, those people that I looked at, those people that I envied, those people that I thought, man, I wish my life could be like theirs. Once I entered your presence, Lord, I took a step back. I settled in. Then I was able to see clearly. He says, surely you placed them on slippery ground. I thought I had almost slipped, but you placed them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. Asaph says, I couldn't see clearly until I got in God's presence. The picture I had in my mind of reality was all wrong. It was all wrong. And to see the right picture, you have to sit in the right presence. If you wanna see the right picture, if you wanna see reality clearly, if you want your picture of reality to line up with God's picture of reality, which is the right picture, by the way, then you have to sit in the right presence and the right presence is in the presence of God. And so I've got a question for you and I've got a question for me, for, for all of us. For those of you watching online at different campuses, when's the last time that you sat in God's presence? When's the last time? You might be like, Austin, what does that even mean to sit in God's presence? Well, it means you, you talk to him. It means you read his word. It means you eliminate all the distractions around you. You go to some place where you can focus in. You meditate on, on what you've read. It means that you consult God. You get his perspective on what's going on in your life. You tell him how you feel. Imagine that. You tell him how you feel. You tell him what you need. Listen, if you learn nothing else from the Psalms, you've got a guy like, like David, who's called the man after God's own heart. And in Psalms, you've got, you've got David saying, I was weeping and I was crying so much that I filled my couch pillows. How long, Lord, will I be here, David says. And then David's the same guy who gets so excited when the ark returns, he goes dancing in the street. And both times he tells God about it. 
God is not surprised by or angered by your emotional highs and lows. He just wants you to express them to him the best way you know how. I don't know what that looks like for you, but God does and you do. You get in his presence and, and you tell him how you're feeling. You tell him, I, God, I don't understand this. This is how this looks to me. Let me see what you have to say about this in your word. God, give me some clarity on this. God could really use some help here. I really, really need you right now. When's the last time? Because if you wanna see the right picture, you gotta sit in the right presence. And let me tell you something, if you're moving through reality and you're expecting to make progress and you're hoping to make progress, it's pretty important that you see the right picture of reality. And God has that. And so we learn from Asaph's story to see the right picture. You have to sit in the right presence. Another thing we learn from Asaph is this, never give up what you understand for what you don't understand. Never give up what you understand for what you don't understand. Asaph understood basic truth that he was grounded in, that God is good. But he didn't understand why these people seemed to be blessed and he wasn't. Why would you let what you don't understand stop you from believing what you do understand? That's not logical. That doesn't make sense. To say, I don't understand this aspect of God, so I'm gonna give up what I do understand. Let me tell you something. I don't know how cell phones work but I'm gonna continue to use it. I don't know how fiber optics work, information traveling over light. People understand that, I suppose. I don't, but my internet at my house is terrible. And when they run fiber optic to my house, I'm gonna pay for it and I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna use it. Why would you forsake what you understand for what you don't understand. Don't do that. That doesn't make sense. We also learn from ASAP that your foundation is everything, guys. Your foundation is everything. Those basic truths, you need to stay close to them. You need to stay grounded in them. You need to stay low. Keep your hips low so you don't lose your footing. Asaph had those to fall back on. Your foundation is everything. But the best lesson we learn from Asaph is still yet to come. He says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. And I love that. I love the honesty of that. I love the rawness of that and the intensity of that. I was senseless and ignorant. I was grieved. I was bitter. I was like a beast before you. I wasn't even human. I was so lost in my own emotion. God, why is it this way? And I was raging like 
an animal. Then he says, yet I am always with you, Lord. It's interesting to me, Dylan's gonna come help me illustrate this, that he doesn't say, yet you were always with me, Lord. He says, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. I was a brute beast and you yoked me up with you. And it doesn't matter what I do. I can fight, fight. I can try to get away. Come on, that's not good enough. But you've got a hold of me. It doesn't matter if you wanna get away. You can't, okay, seriously, try to get away. No, really, come on, man, let's go. It's funny and it's beautiful because there's nothing you can do to get away. He says, when I yoked myself up to you, you yoked yourself up to me. And I may be a beast, I may be an ox, but I'm yoked to you and I can't get away. I don't see clearly, I don't understand everything, but that's okay. I may slip, my grip may fail, let go. Go on, seriously, you can try to get away, I promise. Thank you, Dylan. But here's the most important thing I believe we can learn from Asaph's story. When your grip fails, his grip holds. When your grip fails, his grip holds. And sometimes your grip will begin to slip. Sometimes your grip might even fail. But his power and his persistence can hold on to you. It's like Asaph was saying, I was, I was pulling and all of a sudden I assumed I would be so far away from you, but I looked up and I'm still with you, Lord. He goes on to say, God, you're gonna take me with you into your glory. And then he says, earth has nothing that I desire besides you. See, I, I, originally I envied these people. I, I desired their lifestyle. I desired what it looked like they had. But then I got in your presence, Lord, and, and I saw the picture clearly. And I realized there's a, there's a greater reality here. They may have a little more fun day to day, but the end is death and destruction. Their final destination, it's not good, Lord. And so don't, don't pity me, pity them. Earth has nothing that I desire besides you. God, you're good after all. And you've held me all along. Let me pray for us. Father God, we are so grateful for your love for us, for your goodness to us. God, that you yoke us up with you, Lord, and you hold on to us with reckless abandon, Lord. 
God, there's nothing we can do to make you love us more. There's nothing we can do to make you love us less. And in this moment, I just wanna encourage you here in this room at our campuses, if you're watching online, I want you to take just a moment and think back over your life to some of those times. Maybe you're in one right now where you were losing your grip, you were, you were slipping, you were letting go, you were coming off of your base, you were moving away from your foundation. I want you to look back and I want you to think about how in retrospect you can see that God had a hold of you, that God had a plan for you, that God was good to you and he was faithful to you and he moved you through, that he didn't abandon you in the midst of your doubt and your struggles. And I want you to be grateful for that because he's good. And if you're here today and maybe you're in the midst of it right now, I wanna encourage you, or if you're listening online and you're in the midst of it right now, I wanna encourage you to take a step back, to spend some time in, in God's presence. Express what you need, express how you feel, seek his wisdom and his guidance. God, thank you so much for your goodness. God, thank you that you chose us. And God, that even when we mess up, Lord, even when we struggle, even when we let go, God, you hold on to us. God, you hold us by our right hand, Lord. That's a, that's a goodness we don't even understand. And so God, we just, we just wanna say thank you to you, Lord, for holding us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.